0: Hi, I'm Cody Goff with a special bonus episode of Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll hear our very special guest, Alan Alda, talk about what he's learned in his career as a science advocate, helping scientists learn how to communicate better.
0: A couple days ago on our podcast, we learned how Alan got involved in the TV show Scientific American Frontiers. And today we'll continue that conversation by learning even more from Alan, who happens to be an award-winning actor, best-selling author, and science advocate who's dedicated his life's work to improving science communication.
1: Alan is also the host of Clear and Vivid, which is one of our favorite podcasts. His Clear and Vivid podcast helps make us all more connected, better communicators. And it also helps to benefit the research done at the Allen Alda Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University.
0: You can learn more about the Alda Center at aldacenter.org. And here's Alan on what inspired him to get involved with science communication in the first
2: place. I realized when we were doing Scientific American Frontiers on television that there was a problem that the public... Was fascinated about the science that they understood, the wonder of nature, the the amazing new ways that have been discovered to look into nature or to affect our health and longevity. These things were very important to us to the extent that we understood them. And to the extent that we understood them, science would get funded better and be regarded by policymakers as important to do. Sheer knowledge even, just Basic understanding of the universe, basic knowledge, basic science, that required better communication. And we've now reached a point where science is actually under attack in some areas, as though it's just another opinion, as though somebody just gets an idea and spouts it instead of evidence-based research. So it seemed to me very important to help science become more understandable to all of us and you know it's not just a civic duty that we ought to know about science the reason I think maybe the most important reason I want people to be introduced to the to science is because it's so beautiful it's so fun it's so much fun it's entertaining to know more about nature so to me it's like saying tomorrow starting tomorrow there's not going to be any more music No music, no dancing, no poetry either. Well, what would we do? We'd say, you can't take that away from us. That's our life. Well, it's sort of taken away from us with regard to science in terms of how much more we could enjoy our lives if we understood more of it. So I'm just trying to help in that effort.
1: Do you think that a lack of knowledge is the main factor behind people denying science?
2: No, it's not what I hear from scientists who have studied it. It seems to be more when you deny something that science has shown to be almost 100% the right view of it and, it, and it's always going to be almost 100%. They'd rather hear an opinion from somebody who says, I know 100% that it's wrong. And that usually comes from somebody who belongs to their tribe. There's different ways of determining what a tribe is. This, this is what I hear, and I, it makes sense to me that someone who we never met before still haven't met who lives in another country but subscribes to the same set of beliefs that I do is more likely to convince me of something anti-scientific than a scientist who doesn't seem I have no indication that he shares those beliefs and those that frame of mind
1: Well, how do you get through that? I mean, you're training scientists, but scientists might not belong to those tribes.
2: Yeah, right. I think the people who are able to get through it, as far as I can tell, are people who are able to establish that they have something in common with you. And that shows them to be trustworthy, a little more trustworthy. It's tricky. I don't don't want people to be trustworthy or appear trustworthy who aren't trustworthy. So... I know, I'm not involved in helping teach communication in order to help scoundrels get ahead. But where people have spent their lives trying to determine the truth about nature, I want to help them tell us what they know or what they know so far. That's the problem with science is we only know things so far. And a lot of us are looking for the absolute final answer you know, as we speak, there's an article that's fresh in everybody's mind that it does it doesn't hurt your health that much or at all to eat red meat.
1: I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So everybody's been telling us the opposite of that. Now, what is this? They can't make up their minds. A lot of people will say, "Well, we only know what we know so far, and we have to get used to that." You don't. I mean, that's how we all learn. As children, we learn certain things, and then they get amplified into a larger view as we get older. You know, don't touch the stove. Well, later when we cook, we got to touch the stove. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great. I love that comparison. We talked a lot about empathy with Alan. So at this point in our conversation, I had to ask him, what does he do to build empathy? Is there like an activity you can do?
2: For a, quite a while, a few years now, I make a habit of, People I pass in the street, I observe. People I pay my check at the cashier in the diner, I observe them. And I try to figure out what they're feeling. What are they going through? I just try to get an estimate. Who knows if I'm right or not? I don't check. I don't say, what are you feeling right now? (laughs) But I do try to figure it out. And I think uh, just the, um, the effort to put my focus on that does help me in other situations where I really need a dose of empathy to get through the conversation. So it's it's just an exercise.
1: That's a great exercise, though. I'm going to start doing that.
0: Yeah, any exercise is helpful. And actually, just started taking improv
1: classes too. Oh, I did. Bravo. I took so the things you're saying about improv. It's so funny because the so Cody's taken a gazillion improv classes, but I took my first improv class, and I and I came back and I was like. Cody, this is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to stand up there and try to be funny. But it's all about connecting with others. It's all about emotion and, and, and feeling what other people are feeling. And it's it's so much more daunting than I thought. But it's it's really well, been it's a good really experience. It's
2: really revivifying, I think. And, you know, what's interesting is the only training I ever had as an actor was improv, which I did for about six months, twice a week. And it changed me as an actor and as a person. And I got, I was on the road to better connection with both other actors and real people (laughs) in real life.
0: Yeah. It's almost like the connection is more important than the information you're actually communicating.
2: The way I look at it is that the information you're trying to communicate is vitally important. And it's vitally important that you communicate it in a clear and vivid way. But you must not lose clarity. You must not lose the truth of it we don't want you to dumb it down. We want you to be clear. Science was never hurt by too much clarity. But we want you to engage the other person. If I give you a whole bunch of information, but it doesn't get into your head and it doesn't stay there, then I haven't really done anything but spray my information at you and, and watch it glide off your face. We have worked with a lot of senior scientists, not just graduate students, and to a person, I think they once they engage in the workshop, they realize that they're conveying more of what they want to convey than when they spray details at the other person. The, what's the big picture? What do you care about? I love it that the word curiosity is in the title of your show because that really is at the heart of, of all of what we're talking about. Science is curiosity in an organized way listening to science is because we're curious about it and you exhibit that curiosity when you tell us the stories about science so that's why you have such a good show it's just curiosity up and down all the way down the line
0: (laughs) well we're curious people and like you we didn't come from a background in. we don't have phds in you know biology or chemistry or anything i think that's a strength to i think that i really think it's a strength to force that other person to explain it. And like you said on your TV show, the aha moment was when you got it. Yeah. Not when just the whole audience got it.
2: Well, we figured that if I got it, at least somebody out there would get it too.
1: <laughs> Alan Alda's podcast, Clear and Vivid, is produced by Graham Ched with help from associate producer, Sarah Chase. You can subscribe to Clear and Vivid for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And sign up for Alan's newsletter at alanalda.com. So, Cody, what did we learn today?
0: Today we learned that you're more likely to believe something that comes from someone in your tribe. So if you're trying to get a point across to someone, then a good first step is to try to establish something you have in common with that person.
1: And that science is just about what we know so far, and we have to get used to that, because that's how we all learn.
0: And that it's really important to communicate your information in a clear and vivid way, but if you want that information to stick, then you have to really engage the other person you're communicating with.
1: Which is why we always love to read our listeners' reviews and get your emails, because we love interacting with the people who are listening to us.
0: We do read all your feedback. We listen, too. And we want to give an extra special thanks to Alan Alda and his team for coordinating our conversation. It was so much fun. Oh my gosh, so fun. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new
1: in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.